Thank you for listening to the Alliance Church Podcast. We desire to connect you with God and one another, whether here in Wisconsin or around the world. Let's listen into this week's message. Well, so it's Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, fortunately, unfortunately, rather, since the Packers seem to be in a rebuilding decade, uh, they're not playing. I assume that means that you're, you're really left with two things to be excited about, and that's the food, right? We're going to eat some food, I assume. And the fellowship, who you're hanging out with. Here's an interesting concept to think about. A good feast. What do I mean by feast? I'm talking about food plus fellowship. That's a feast. A good feast points to heaven. Think about that. A good feast points to heaven. One of the best things on this entire planet is what my grandmother calls a farm breakfast. What this is is essentially kind of like a Super Bowl, but you're trying to consume as many calories as possible. It's the Hillstead tradition. We got farm fresh eggs, farm fresh sausage and side pork and you know uh, potatoes and Belgian waffles and homemade whipped cream and you know strawberries with the you know sliced up and with the sugar mixed in you know because this is America and that's how we do things I mean it's the it's the kind of food I think about when I'm eating healthy food right this is it's good stuff but I tell you here's the, the true joy of a farm breakfast when my grandma says we're having a farm breakfast be there at 9 a.m. the true joy is everyone gathered around the table. It's the relationships, right? It's the, the laughing and the telling stories and so on. It's the company. That is a picture of heaven. Right? The food's good, but it's got nothing on the fellowship. See, a good feast will point to heaven. And that's especially true, Jesus says, when that feast, when that fellowship blesses someone who can't return the favor. Uh, I remember when I was about 19, I was in the Navy and I was stationed a long way from family, stationed a long way from home. And on Thanksgiving Day, a certain family invited me in and uh, invited me to their feast. And they treated me like I was a member of their family. Uh, Now listen, I was someone that could never repay them. There's no way I could return that favor. And that's not why they were doing it in the first place. Uh, It was a sincere act of kindness, but but think about this, because of their hospitality on that day, uh, what would have been an exceptionally discouraging day was, to me, an exceptional blessing. I would have been enormously discouraged that day, but because of their true hospitality, I was enormously blessed. That is a picture of heaven. Heaven's a feast, and it's, it's there's It's a table and there's people gathered around from all over the place and there's great fellowship and and the place is full of people who, who can't return the favor. The place is full of people who are there simply because God is so kind. In the passage of scripture that we're gonna look at today, uh, we're gonna see that heaven's kinda like a feast. Jesus is gonna explain it that way. And it's a feast you don't wanna miss out on. And, and there's, there's terrible news in this passage of scripture. And the, the terrible news is that there's a whole bunch of people who think they're gonna be there, but they're gonna miss out. 
So what does that mean for us? This is a really big deal. One, you don't want to be one of them. We don't want to be the people that miss out. And two, we want to do something about it. We want to bring other people uh, along with us to this feast. And so uh, I'm going to read this Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24. This is a lot uh, larger passage of scripture than I would normally take, but I promise I'll move through it briskly and we'll, we'll be home just in time for kickoff. Sound good? <laughs> I used to tell that same joke on Super Bowl Sunday when I was pastoring on the West Coast and they'd get a little nervous because <laughs> the Super Bowl starts at 3.30. So that, that's actually possible that a pastor would go that long. Yeah, there was a nervousness to that laughter. You guys knew I was joking. All right, here it is, Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24. And he said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at, a time, at, at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five uh, yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquets. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. So let's pray about this church. Jesus, we hear these words that you, you spoke and you taught so long ago. And our simple prayer right now is that you would help us right now. Would you help us to hear and, 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 and to understand and actually get this? And not just to understand with our brains, but to understand with our hearts and our muscles that this would change the way we go out into the world and lead our lives, Lord. Would you align us now with your values? For your glory and for the sake of a world who needs you, I pray. Amen. Okay, so an important piece of context here. You gotta know this. this. This whole passage takes place at the home of a prominent Pharisee. Who were, who were the Pharisees? Do you remember who these guys were? 
Remember the super religious, right? They were all about the, the, the religious laws. They, they were the type of people that cared more about rules than they cared about people, right? They all, every last one of them had a severe case of holier-than-thou-itis, which is a, the medical term for it, right? And this Pharisee had invited the religious who's who of the day over for a feast. And so in the mix was Jesus, along with some scribes who were the experts in the law. They were the theologians of the day. They, they knew the Old Testament. And uh, there were several of this man's Pharisee cronies there with him as well. And Jesus has something to say to all of them. And he addresses all of them and he addresses the guests. And then right in verse 12, he begins to address the host directly. And we're going to dive in and just kind of swim around in this passage a little bit. But here's the first thing I want you to see is the true blessing is not just eating at the feast, but bringing others along. Verse 12, he, all, he said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, don't invite your, your friends, your brothers, your relatives, your rich neighbors. What? Why would he say that? Doesn't that seem a bit extreme? <laughs> Here's Jesus' reason why. Lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. You don't, according to Jesus, you don't want that. You, like, you want to avoid the risk of being repaid at all costs. So Jesus says, here's a better option. Verse 13, but when you give a feast, here's what I want you to do. Here's who you need to invite. The poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. These are the outcasts and the down and outs in Israel's society. These are the people that no one else is inviting. And these are the people that could never pay someone back. Like there's no earthly benefit to inviting these people to your feast. And Jesus says, and that's a good thing. That's exactly what you're shooting for. Why? Because that means, verse 14, you will be blessed. Because they can't even repay you. There's no way they could ever pay you back. And what does that mean? That you will then be repaid at the resurrection of the just. He's talking about heaven right there, right? Because according to Jesus, being, being repaid on earth isn't a blessing. But re being repaid in heaven, I don't know if heaven's over there, but I always point there, <laughs> wherever heaven is. Being repaid in heaven, that's the stuff of blessing, right? Note, note here, before I go too much further with that thought note that when Jesus says don't don't invite your friends and relatives or rich neighbors that is not a prohibition against family dinners friendly gatherings or cookouts with your neighbor who happens to have a decent job beware of false literalism Jesus is simply using hyperbole to emphasize that the essence of true hospitality is blessing people who can't return the favor. You process that? True hospitality is, is blessing people, not so that you can get blessed back here on earth, but so that, so that you, can, you can bless them and they can never return the favor, right? Not every good act on earth will be rewarded with an attaboy in heaven. If, if selfishness, think about this, if selfishness has motivated something, 
uh, heaven won't reward it. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus kind of takes this principle and applies it to several areas of life. He talks about like, if you give generously, and that's good, we should give generously, but if you do it in such a way that so people see your giving, like you know, maybe you do a big check and a lot of, a lot of pictures, or you, you post it on Facebook, but you do it in a way that see, people can see it so that they can go, wow, that guy, he is just so generous. Right? Jesus is like, you missed the point altogether. Or if you pray, this is good, we should pray. This is a good thing to do. Or you fast, it's a good thing. These are good things. But Jesus says, if you do it in a way that gets people to see you and say, oh, that lady, she is just so godly. I don't know if I could ever be like her. <laughs> Jesus says, you do that, you miss the point altogether. And the same goes for inviting someone into your home and serving them and showing them hospitality. If it's done because you think it's a, you know, it's a good ROI, Jesus says that's a poor investment because earthly recompense or reward uh, is of no heavenly benefit. Does that make sense? The principle is this. There's, there's essentially, there's, there's nothing inherently morally commendable about a, some sort of quid pro quo that it's wrapped, that's wrapped in a veneer of false altruism. Does that make sense? There's nothing, there's nothing noble about that. There's no attaboys in heaven for selfishly motivated charity. But there will be recompense for those who use their time on earth to bless people that no one else is blessing and who cannot return the favor. Why is that? Think about this, because that is on earth as it is in heaven type stuff. You process that? That reflects the values of heaven. That reflects the heart of God, right? Heaven's, right, remember, heaven's the big old feast. And there's a bunch of people around the table who, who simply cannot return the favor. There's a whole bunch of people there who are just there because God is so purely kind, right? true hospitality then here on earth reflects the hospitality of God in heaven. True hospitality uh, echoes the heartbeat of God. And that's kind of the point Jesus is making to this guy. Uh, and we could end the teaching there and go watch a football game and just assume that everyone got the point and I would, however, right as Jesus is wrapping up, a man blurts out something that is true yet misguided. So we also risk to miss the point. He says, verse 15, one of those, one of those who reclined at table with him, that's uh, one of these Pharisees, heard these things. He said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. That's true, right? Hooray for everyone who is gonna go to heaven. That is true, yes. But based on how Jesus responds, we can tell that there's something just kind of like off in how this guy said this. Like, there's true words coming out of his mouth, but maybe there was a misunderstanding inside his, his soul. So uh, Jesus responds by telling this parable. And you guys know what a parable is. It's, it's like a, it's a simple story uh, using earthly things that illustrates a complex point, uh, 
uh, in heaven. You th- think about this, a simple story that illustrates a big point. It's, it uses earthly things to illustrate heavenly things. And so Jesus uh, tells this parable, and what we see in it is that not only is heaven a feast, but there's gonna be a whole bunch of people there who don't show up, or there's gonna be a bunch of people who don't show up there. The second thing I want you to see on our end, many are gonna reject the invitation but God will extend that invitation to people that we don't even expect. Verse 16, but he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I've got to go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said to him, I've bought, I just bought five yoke oxen. Just, I just bought these, this oxen. Uh, I got to go examine them. Please have me excused. And others said, oh, I just forgot. I just got married. I can't come. Here's the deal. All three of these are lame excuses. I was reading a commentary by Daryl Bach, who is the, uh, uh, pre, premier scholar on the books of Luke and Acts. I, I don't think there's a human on the planet, and I mean this when I say it, that knows the book of Luke and Acts better than Daryl Bach. And Daryl Bach wrote the sentence, all, uh, these are all three lame excuses. <laughs> and I just thought for a scholar to say these excuses are lame, they must be utterly lame. Why, why is this? Think about this. They, they all involve earth-related business that is of moderate importance. These aren't nothing. They're, they're, they're kind of important, right? The business deals, the acquisition, the purchases, the, the yoke ox, this is kind of this is important stuff. It's a big deal. The wedding, that's a big deal. So why do I say they are lame excuses? Here's why, because none of them were unforeseen. I <laughs> Think about examining the plot of land or the yoke of oxen. That's, that's to sort of finalize the sale. That could have been done the day before or the day after. You probably just done it that morning. The guy had options. Uh, it, none of them snuck up on him. And uh, you know, no one's wedding sneaks up on him. <laughs> no one gets married by surprise, I, I guess, except in Vegas. I mean, that probably happens time to time. <laughs> by and large, you can't be like, oh my goodness. I would have been there, but I forgot I'm getting married that day. It didn't sneak up on him. So why on earth did they RSVP yes, but then no show on the day of? Like they were supposed to be the ones there and then they flake out. Why? What's Jesus talking about? This will make more sense as we keep going. Verse 21. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Here's the deal. They got a bunch of lame excuses. None of them are coming. We all thought they were going to come, and then they're not. The master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. Sound familiar? The exact same four groups of societal outcasts that Jesus had mentioned earlier. And these are the people that no one else is inviting. These are the people that can't return the favor. Specifically, these are the people uh, that no one would expect to see at an upscale feast like this. 
You remember that Jesus is talking to a group of prominent, pious Pharisees. These are the people that viewed themselves as the true Israel. These were the people that thought they were guaranteed a spot in the kingdom. They took for granted the fact that they would be at the feast. But Jesus tells this story where there's a bunch of people kind of like that, and they end up not making it. And instead, the invitation gets extended to those members of society that no one else expects to see at the heavenly soiree, the big reunion in the sky. Jesus, Jesus, do you notice in his earthly ministry, is constantly focused on the down and outs of Israel. Do you ever wonder why that was? He's constantly going to the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame and so on. His life was a perpetual indictment of the up and ups, <laughs> that they had missed the point and that God cares about the down and outs. And Jesus is going to them, and in this parable, the master says, go invite them. In the process, there's this core of pious Israel. They thought they're making it to the feast, and they, 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 they miss it. And so then the invitation extends to the outcasts of Israel. And now this invitation that was rejected by pious Israel and then accepted by the outcasts of Israel is going to be extended beyond the borders of Israel. Third thing I want you to see is that even if these invitations are rejected, it's our job to keep handing, handing them out. Even if they're rejected, we gotta keep handing out the invitations. Verse 22, and the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges. This is talking about the regional roads that were lined by, lined by hedges often. They would go between major cities. This is the I-41 and so on. Uh, go out, and what this envisions is leaving the walls of the city and extending this invitation to outsiders foreigners, sojourners, most specifically Gentiles. These are the people who were not uh, Israelite, were not Jewish, did not grow, grow up knowing and, and serving and obeying the God of the Bible. These were those who were very different from them and did not know God. And the master says, go out and compel those people to come in come to the feast. Why? That my house may be filled. The heavens a feast, God's throwing the party and he wants a full house. He wants as many people there as possible. What's this got to do with us? Well, one, we wanna to go to the feast and two, we get to hand out the invitations. There's two big things this means for us today. One, don't miss the feast. Two, bring others along. Don't miss the feast. There's gonna be, what this parable teaches, what this teaches right here is that there is gonna be a whole bunch of church people who miss the feast. There's gonna be a whole bunch of people who really tried hard to be the good rule followers. 
That's who he's talking to. Room full of rule followers. And there's going to be a whole bunch of people who, 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 they're a bunch of really nice folks. And they were baptized. Then they played on the worship team. And they, they even preached sermons. They tithed faithfully. And yet, they missed the feast. Because none of that gets you in. Right? If you trust anything, here's what I mean. We need to know if you trust anything, anything for your salvation under the, other than the finished work of Christ on the cross, you won't be at the feast. If you trust anything but Jesus hanging on the cross in our place as our substitute, you trust anything other than that, you're not gonna be in the feast. None of that stuff gets you to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. You know, uh, I'm convinced that we believe most firmly in this country in justification by death. I think that's our theology. How do you get to heaven? Just ask anyone why they think they're going to go to heaven. Or ask it when they're at Uncle you know, Bill's funeral or something, and why do you, why do you think Uncle Bill's in funeral? What are they going to say? He's a good guy. <laughs> uh, he's like, why are you going to go to heaven? Well, I try to be a good person. Eh. The whole feast full of people here Jesus is talking to, all of them trying to be good people. And he's telling them, you guys better get this straight or you're not going to be at the feast because good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. God calls us all to turn from our sin. That means repent. That means turn from our sin and look to Jesus for salvation. If you have not looked to Jesus and if you are not currently trusting Jesus alone for your salvation, I want you to consider the words that Jesus said the master pronounces in verse 24. For I tell you, what did he say to those who blew off the master's invitation? For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Don't blow off God's invitation. Jesus did everything necessary on the cross to purchase forgiveness, redemption, and a hope of heaven. And he offers freely that invitation. Now, don't miss the feast. If you think you're gonna miss the feast, you better come talk to me afterwards. Let's sort this thing out, all right? You wanna be there. Second thing, for all of us who have trusted Jesus for, for our salvation, who are headed to the banquet, we better drive minivans and, and Suburbans because we're going to try to pack as many people in there as we can. We're trying to fill, we're going to bring others along. Here's my question. Where are your highways and hedges? What are the areas in your life that God would say, go there and compel those people? Who has God placed in your life so that you can compel them to come into the feast? God's put people in your life that I'm never going to talk to. Every single person in this room has a good number of people that no one else is gonna compel them to come to the feast. What would it look like for you to compel them that his house may be filled? A whole bunch of people are gonna reject that invitation. Don't get discouraged by that. We gotta just keep handing them out. How do you hand them out? How do you hand out the invitation? You show them kindness. You pray for them. You talk to 
talk to them about Jesus. You invite them to church. <laughs> you be there when they need them the most, when they need it the most. When you, uh, when you talk to people about Christ, uh, we don't need to be forceful. We don't need to shove it down their throat. But you don't need to be nervous either. Just ask questions. Say, hey, what do you think of Jesus? What's, uh, what role does faith play in your life? You any experience with church? How'd you grow up? What do you believe? What does happen when we kick the bucket? Just start the conversation. Talk to them about Christ. And uh, when God opens the door, say, hey, why don't you come check out Ortonville? Or if you know another good Bible-believing, Christ-exalting church, send, send, invite, invite them, go with them to there or here, whatever it is. All right, my challenge for you is just this. Think, pause and go, who is, who is, who is the one person that no one else is inviting that I can invite? And what would it look like for me to compel them to come to the feast? We all do that. We all just give the next three months of our lives to thinking about who is one person I could invite in. Uh, imagine the, the seats that are gonna be filled at the feast <laughs> that would have been empty. Praise God. God's with us. Would you stand now, if you're able, and receive this benediction? And now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. And God's people said, amen. Have a wonderful week, church. We'll see you next Sunday.